so much for joining me. I need you to tell me what post-fight rating you would give UFC Fight Night 129 from 1 to 5. Our pre-fight rating was like 2.6. We guessed it was going to be a 3. It ended up being a 2.6. So after the fight card is over, what rating would you give this entire son of a gun, top to bottom, all of the fights? I'm looking at myself. I can't do that anymore. Got to move that. I would give the fight card a post-fight rating of a 2 out of 5. A lot of that has to do with the main event not being that great. But I've promised myself I was going to try to not be a curmudgeon anymore. Try to be a more positive person in the world. And let's talk about the positives from this main event where Marty Kamarudin, the Nigerian Nightmare Usman, defeated Damian Maya via unanimous decision, 50-45, 49-46, 49-46. Positives. Damian Maya in the first round showed some pretty good pop in his hands. He landed two uh, stepping in left straights on Usman that seemed to hurt Usman just a little bit. I was surprised by that. That was a positive. Maya, known as a jujitsu guy, if he would have just gone just pure kickboxing in this fight, maybe he could have ended up winning. No, he wouldn't have. But that's a positive. Another positive is that Marty Usman. He showed phenomenal takedown defense. He showed composure. He gained confidence. Uh, he dominated a guy that's been around the game for a long, long time, like he said. A guy that's really well-known, especially in the grappling department. And he he dominated him. He did not finish him, but he dominated him. Thank you so much for being here, Zach. I appreciate you. If you haven't already, thumb the video up and, and we'll uh, get going. So, Zach, what post-fight rating would you give this card? I'm going to go, what I say, a 2 out of 5? Yeah, it, I... I left a sour taste in my mouth there were times when i just i wasn't really enjoying myself there were times when i really did enjoy myself which we should talk about some of those times but first of all i want to get into some more negatives about the main event and then i promise we'll talk about some positives usman needs a ghostwriter in his post-fight interview he like jimmy smith was like hey man uh how'd it go you know you won what's up I'm paraphrasing, of course, gives Usman the mic, and he's like, I broke my hand, hand early, and I broke another hand later on. And I tweeted, it reminded me of Mike Tyson saying, I, I broke my back. It's final. Stop with the excuses. And he said, I just got to let you guys know. No, you don't. The last time you said you were at 30% and people gave you a ton of shit about it. Now the first thing that comes out of your mouth is another excuse. Stop it. Stop doing it. And then today he said he's not going to call anybody out. He wants them to call him out. Not going to happen after that performance. Like, that was boring. People want to get fight of the night bonuses. Like, you're not the person that they're going to get. They don't want – they're basically not going to get an extra $50,000 if you're their opponent. One, you're a tough opponent, sure. But, yeah, get a ghostwriter and stop saying excuses after victories. It's not a good look. But another positive is he kind of emerged as a contender in the welterweight division. And we're not, it's not like we're really hungry for contenders, but having another one, it's not a bad thing. What's next for Usman? I, th I think we rebook the Santiago Ponzinibbio bout. I, I think, didn't they do something else with Ponzinibbio? But I think we rebook that. Uh, WTF of the card, we'll get to after we talk about Tatiana Suarez versus Alexa Grasso.
is the co-main event of the evening. Tatiana Suarez defeated Alexa Grasso via submission rear naked choke at 244 of round number one. It's it honestly seemed like the fight was was quicker than that. It did not take long for Suarez to get Grasso to the canvas. And once she did, she did what we expected her to do, which was control her really mightily on the ground. And then she sunk in that rear naked choke. It was a thorough domination. And I said on Twitter afterward that I think that she should fight the winner or loser of Claudia Gadelia versus Carla Esparza because that fight's coming up at UFC 225. The timing of it would seem proper. It would give her a nice test versus another person who's a grappling-centric fighter. Esparza... You know, she's, she's got a wrestling background. And then Claudia Gadelia, she's got very good jiu-jitsu. And she's really strong and controlling. So I'm interested to see how Tatiana Suarez could fare against either one of those women. I said that I thought it felt quicker than the time said it was. And it truly was. Tatiana Suarez had a minute and 41 seconds of control on the ground. And the fight was only two minutes and 15 seconds long, right? Uh, yeah, two minutes and 44 seconds long. So she had, there was a minute standing. She got the fight to the ground and then just controlled the cr crap out of her. She said she's not going to call anybody specifically out, but she thinks she needs another top 10 opponent to prove that she deserves to be there. I saw somebody suggest we give her the karate hottie, Michelle Watterson. I don't like that matchup. Michelle Watterson is small for this weight class. Tatiana Suarez is big and strong for the weight class. I think we could all see where that fight would go. You know, I have little doubt in my mind that, that Suarez would be a huge favorite again over the karate hottie, where because Michelle Watterson, her nickname is about karate, but she has been beating girls a lot by getting them to the ground and controlling them there. So... She's not going to do that to Suarez. Suarez would just run right through her. I also think that uh, – why am I blanking so hard on that girl's name? Um, I've got a girl in mind that I want for Michelle Watterson next. Angela Overkill Hill. I don't know why I blanked on her so much. Yeah, Zach agrees with me. Claudia Gadelia fight versus – Tatiana Suarez would be fine. And like I said, it could be either Gedalia or Esparza. I don't care which one. Whoever, whatever they decide to do. But like one of those two would be a phenomenal bout. They, if they want to give her the winner and really push her toward a title shot, that's fine. If they want to play the slower role, then you give her the loser of that fight. But I think that either one of those options is great for Tatiana Suarez. I want Angela Overkill Hill versus uh, the Karate Hottie because of the dynamic there. So Suarez is like future title challenger. She's got future champion kind of written all over her. Michelle Watterson, never going to be a champion at 115 pounds. Maybe if they bring in Adam White to the UFC, sure. Angela Overkill Hill, also not going to be a champion. So I don't see why we would just have Tatiana Suarez run over either one of them, basically. They, we know where they are. We know where Suarez is. We don't really need to muddy the waters between the two, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. What's your opinion, guys? 
Tatiana Suarez really, really impressive tonight. She's she's always been impressive. She's 27 years old. She's got a, a bronze, two bronzes in the world champions wrestling. She has finished the majority of her professional victories. One via knockout, four via submission, and two via decision. That's a good stat right there. Uh, women's fights get a bad stereotype, or they get a. We assume that they go to the judges a lot, but so Suarez finishes the majority of her fights. I'm excited to see her next one. Let's go to the WTF of the card, and I'm going to use that to talk about the fight that it pertains to. And it's going to be uh, during Guido Canetti versus Diego Rivas, where Guido Canetti won. Uh, 29-28, 29-28, 29-28 across the board. thought that was clear. Canetti won the first two. Rivas won the third one. I I didn't take any notes about the techniques used, but my what the fuck goes to the the crowd. And it's not – a lot of the time I talk about a positive WTF the card, a negative WTF the card. This is just like – I'm just really stunned by it. It's neither positive nor negative. But the crowd – during that fight was loud as fuck cheering for Diego Rivas. They were so fucking loud. And then when Guido Canetti got the decision victory, they were so fucking loud. What the fuck? I was just stunned by that. You could when I can tell on the broadcast how loud they are and Jimmy Smith said that he could not hear anything when he was trying to do the post-fight interview of Guido Canetti. I was just stunned by how loud they were. If you were actually in that arena, that might have been something to behold. Uh, the decibels that were going off in that arena. I su- supposedly, or Guido Canetti apologized for something that he put on Instagram. He said it was to get himself hyped up for the fight, and it was a self-motivation thing. He didn't actually mean any harm to the Chileans. I tried to look up his post on Instagram. I On the web browser version of Instagram, I did not see a translator. And I was a little bit too lazy to poke it into a translator myself because I didn't I, – well, I have to go through all of his posts from the time they started Fight Camp to to now and translate all of them to see where he was talking some shit about Chileans. I don't know. If you know what he said, then uh, please tell me. Imagine what this fight card could have been. A light heavyweight bout between uh, Mauricio Shogun Hua and – Volkan Uzdemir was scheduled, but Uzdemir was pulled via ESA, v, for visa issues for, because of his legal trouble. At previous legal transgression restricting his travel to Chile. Chile. Also, it's supposed to be Usman versus Santiago Ponzinibbio, Jen Chiboa. It could have been a lot better than it was. But another bright spot, so we're being positive here as we move down this card. Dominic the Devastator Reyes versus Jared Cannonier. Reyes, wow. He hit some good kicks to the body on Cannonier. Uh, he was trying to go in for a combination, and then he slipped some punches from Cannonier, slipped off to his left, and he's in the southpaw stance. He's like 6'5", 205, just a huge man, really long guy as well. Slipped off to his left. He came with an uppercut that that uh, put Camnier on roller skates. He was pursuing him, hit him with some high kicks, and then uppercut again, the rear hand uppercut, face planted him, and Mark Goddard stepped in and uh, waved the fight off. Wow, Dominic Reyes. He called out Jordan Johnson, who was an 
also a 9-0 undefeated prospect. But Jordan Johnson, he's not a guy that you're going to remember as much as you remember Dominic Reyes because Dominic Reyes has uh, one, two, three, four, five, six first-round finishes in a row. He hasn't been out of the first round since October 17th of 2015. Like I said, huge guy, devastating power. Highlight reel is long. And I think that we should actually give him somebody higher up in the 205-pound division. I thought somebody like Corey Beeston, 25-8 Anderson would be fine. I think he'd probably knock Corey Anderson out. Maybe we give him somebody like Jimmy Manua. But I don't want to slow roll this guy. I don't want to give him Jordan Johnson. Nobody's ever heard of him. If we're going to put him on these obscure fight night cards in Chile or Belém or... Liverpool, you know, all these weird cards that are in the middle of fucking nowhere where there's a whole bunch of no-names on it. Put him toward the top of these against a, a familiar name. I think that he could he could easily win against Beast in 25-8. Be a good fight against Jimmy Manoa. I think we just move him right up there. Talented guy. But maybe if we do slow roll him, then we don't put him on these obscure cards. But rather we put him like the last free fight of a pay-per-view that's headlined by somebody decent. Just get more eyeballs on this man. A lot of routes we could go with Dominic Reyes, but I like the idea of either uh, Corey Anderson or Jimmy Manoa. And Cannonier was a guy that had been training out of Alaska for a long time, also working as a TSA agent or whatever, working at, at the airport. Finally quit his day job, went to train full-time at the MMA lab, Decided to grow hair out and get starched here. I thought he would be able to uh, absorb some of the punishment from Reyes because he absorbed the punishment from Ian Kutilaba, Iwan Kutilaba. But no, not, not no such luck. And we saw last week Jacare Souza lost to Kelvin Gastelum after trying to grow his hair out. He's been bald for a long time, cue ball, slickety slick. He, he lost. Same thing happened to Jared Cannonier. Somebody on Twitter said that also it happened to Donald Cerrone not long ago against Darren Till. Tried to grow his hair a little bit and just got whipped. So, moral of the story, don't try to grow your hair out if you've been bald for a long time. Also, a Dominic Reyes versus Glover Teixeira would be good because Jared Cannonier was beating Glover Teixeira on the feet, but then he could not stop the takedown from Glover, and that's why he lost that fight. Uh, Reyes is a fucking freakishly impressive athlete, but he also has a little bit of a background in wrestling, so he could stop the takedown attempt of Glover Teixeira. <clears throat> or at least I think he could. And that's an intriguing matchup. But basically what I'm saying with Dominic Reyes, I don't want to – don't slow roll him. Let's get him up there. Get him in these rankings. What's up, Jeffrey? Cut that shit. The hair? You're talking smack to me. I don't know. Thanks for being here, Jeffrey. Even if you're talking smack to me, it's fine. I'm used to it. Uh, I've recently been making videos for – this is off topic a little bit, but we got to waste a little bit of time because I could just run through this card because I didn't didn't really care for it. I'm making videos part time for a brewery in my the town that I live, and he was reading some 
reviews or something of his beers on on forums and stuff and like the negativity he was like uh, getting to him a little bit when people would like say bad things he he was like check this out somebody said something bad my hey man if you're going to be on the internet you cannot pay attention to the bad stuff if somebody actually has some critiques where they're being respectful and they're saying like a critique like hey i think you got you have to be able to take criticism but a lot of the times people on the internet are just mean they're just they're being mean because it's kind of fun to be mean to people on the internet when you're uh anonymous so you just can't do it so i'm like immune to the mean shit nowadays been doing this for like three years mean people don't mean people don't um get to me anymore triple j on twitter all right man i'll pay attention talking about these fighters all right but anywho let's uh let's go down the card we talked about guido canetti versus diego rivas a little bit i Guido Canetti, well, I think he won the first two rounds via wrestling, like at least pushing Rivas up against the fence. And then Rivas never really seemed to have that fire that he would need in the third round to get a finish. In fact, another WTF of the card could go to Guido Canetti and Diego Rivas at the beginning of the third round where they like they hugged, then they touched gloves, and they're like, hey, you know what, let's touch gloves like three more times before we get this going. They didn't start like competing again until like 30 seconds into the third round. Let's get it popping. And Diego, you're down two rounds. You need to. You really need to get it popping. What the fuck? Anyway, let me see. Let me look at some stats here. Kennedy. Yeah, one of three. Over one. Over one. Not memorable. Thanks, Zach. Good call. Jer Jeremy James says he thought the main event was going to be a snoozer, so we just went ahead and took a little nap Rooney. That was a good call. I thought it was going to be more entertaining because both guys are strong grapplers, and I thought they would be looking to improve their position. If it went to the ground, I thought Usman would be trying to improve his position. If it was on the feet, I thought Usman was going to come in here and try to look for a finish and try to be more impressive than he has been. He's got six of his eight victories in the UFC via decision. I thought he would be trying to get a finish over this veteran. Didn't seem like that was really going down. Yeah, it did have decision written all over it. I kind of ignored that. Um, but let's talk about the UFC debut of Andrea KGB Lee. She fought Veronica Macedo in a women's flyweight fight where Andrea Lee won 30-27 across the board. It was a decently entertaining scrap. Macedo hurt Andrea Lee at a distance a couple of times with some big punches. But then when they would get tight, Andrea Lee was the stronger fighter, and she had the better takedowns. But one thing that she needs to not do that I think that she would probably should work on not doing is she did a lot of head and arm throws. The judo head and arm throw, it worked on Macedo, but it's not going to work like once she faces somebody who's meaningful to the women's flyweight division, you've, you've seen it time and time and time again. Girls go through the for the head and arm throw. The person who's like being thrown or being attempted to be thrown just pulls right out of it and takes the back. Like Michelle Watterson tried it against Thug Rose. Uh, Paige Van Zandt tried it against Michelle Watterson. It just like 
uh, who there was a guy that tried to do it against Tyson Pedro. Anyway, don't do it. Doesn't work. I was not that impressed with Andrew, Andrea Lee's uh, UFC debut. She is young. She might have some some. No, she's not that young. She's twenty nine. She's my age. She's only two months older than I am. Well, that's weird. She's young in her mixed martial arts career, but I just wasn't that impressed with it. A lot of people were impressed with Veronica Macedo's looks, and that's something we're not really going to talk about. But anyway, there was that. Uh, Vicente Luque versus Chad Laprise. This was like the one fight that I really got right in my prediction. I, I haven't been doing tape study to do really good uh, breakdown predictions for you guys in the pre-fight show, but Vicente Luque hits really hard. He's got solid boxing. And Chad Laprise, even though he's only been knocked out twice now, I, I don't think he has a very good chin. Even at welterweight, he moved up from lightweight, and I don't – and uh, so – Vicente Luque caught him with a short left hook that cleaned him out, toasted, toasted him. At 416 of the very first round, Vicente Luque won via KO punches. Yeah. Big thing, we could, like I want big things for Vicente Luque. I said what I want next for him is the winner of Mike Platinum Perry versus Yancey Medeiros. I believe that's happening at UFC 226. That has to be you know, in a couple of months maybe. Not long from now. So, yeah, Vicente Luque versus the winner of Mike Perry versus Yance Medeiros. I'd like to see that fight happen. Because he said that he just needs to move up the ranks. He wants to, like, to just keep moving up, moving up, moving up. He lost to Roberts, right? Not Roberts. Leon Edwards. Not Hot Chocolate Roberts. Leon Rocky Edwards uh, via unanimous decision. But now he's on a three-fight winning streak all via finishes. Uh, yeah, we should step him up, and especially we could step him up in uh, level of competition, sure, but also in level of notoriety. Mike Perry is really well known. So is Yancey Medeiros. He he had a main event against Donald Cerrone. So we could move Vicente Luque up the ranks and also get him more exposure to fans around the world. I mean, it'd be a fun as hell fight. Yeah. Moving on up, moving on. Oh, Jovak. Macedo should be at 115, but she'd rather be a fatty, says Jovak. I don't she didn't she wasn't looking like Mackenzie Dern. I did know somebody on we're not getting into that. Moving down. Uh, Michelle Prezeres versus Zach Cummings. Another fight where evidently these guys had a lot of respect for each other going in. Michelle Prezeris moved up from 155 pounds because he had missed weight at 155, like three out of his last four times. So they've, I don't know if they, for, they probably forced him to be at welterweight, but he looked pretty damn good. He had, he used spacing really well. Cummins was the longer striker, but he was, but Prezeris was getting in and out. Cummins' strikes were coming super slow, and Prezeris having the low center of gravity, even though they always talk about how Zach Cummins is this giant welterweight. Like, they don't have anything else to say about him. They're like, oh, this guy's big. That's all they ever say. Prezeris had very little issues taking Zach Cummings down. I have no idea how it was a split decision. I thought it was clear 29-28 for Michelle, Michelle Prezeris, but 
not a fight really worth talking about too much. Cummings did hit Brazier's with some big shots. Brazier's ate them well, kept coming, and he just kept. So when Cummings would throw a, a slow and labored punch, Brazier's just under it, bam, taking him down. And and uh, he he would might take him a little more effort. It wasn't that quick, like I just said. He would really work for the takedown, but he was not having much issue getting Zach Cummings to the ground. We should look at the stats and see how many times he got him to the ground. Only one of five? Well, that can't be. It felt like more than that. Oh, the first two rounds don't have any stats. Okay. Great. Thanks a lot, UFC.com. You're fucking great. Have you ever talked about how there's those other F. Bryans in the MMA Twitter world? Huh? What are you talking about? Given surname? You mean front row, Brian? I don't know what you're talking about, given surname. Anywho, Alexandre Pantoja versus Brandon Moreno was the fight before that. And Alexandre Pantoja worked Brandon Moreno. 30-26, 30-26, 30-27, unanimous decision. Basically, this came down to... I didn't... I don't know, man. I don't know these other Bryans. I know there's front row Brian. There's flying Brian Jr. And flying Brian J. I, I wish I could just change my Twitter handle to just Brian J. But then I would would ruin my brand that I've had for like three to four years, the flying Brian J thing. Thought about going away from it and just being Brian J. I don't know, man. I also don't know if I want people to like really call me by my last name. That's why I'd just be Brian J. Brian's so boring. Anyway, um, Brandon Moreno versus Pantoja came down to Moreno would throw like he wouldn't throw a stepping in jab. He would throw like a stepping in really wide hook, really wide. Like he would get his elbow way out there. And while he was doing that, Pantoja whap, jab right in the face whoop, and jab him, just jab him right in the fucking face. A lot of the time, Brandon Moreno would start his combination with this long left, and just he'd get caught with the jab. And then Pantoja would come with the right hook behind it that would, was rocking Moreno. Even when Moreno would throw kicks, like it would be like really wound up kicks, so you like could tell it's coming. And then Pantoja would time him, and Pantoja was hitting with more power. Moreno was not getting, not changing his level well with his takedowns. Pantoja was reading him well, shucking him off, hitting him with power. Pantoja really worked Brandon Moreno in this fight. Oh, front row Brian? Front row Brian is a staple in the MMA world. I don't know much about him, but I know that he's got a gimmick. He, like, the hit, front row Brian is purely a gimmick. It's a guy, name's Brian, but he's a different person in real life than he is as front row Brian. So that's an act, and it's a, it's a way to get attention and Twitter followers. He does have some ins. He is friends with uh, Chael P. Sonnen, but I don't know who the real guy is. All I know is that there's a completely difference between those two, but I don't want to talk about that. Uh, but before Pantoja defeated Moreno, there was a woman's strawweight fight between Poliana Botello and Siri Kondo. Basically, is 
Well, Botello won in 33 seconds. She got a really strong left kick to the liver, sent Condor to the ground, basically. You could see her just like, as soon as she started backing up, she was crumpling, was crumpling over. It was over at that moment. And Botello ground and pounded her out. Uh, Botello is fucking extremely long for women's strawweight. She's very strong. I, She's got an extremely deep voice. I mean, her voice almost sounds like mine, but like she also sounds like a smoker at the same time, which in my mind indicates a little something extra. You know what I mean? But I don't know that. It's just like she does. She's got a deep voice. That's all I can say. And it's my opinion that she has a deep voice. Uh, anyway, she's a long, strong woman straw weight. She should be moving right up the rankings. I should check with uh, straw weight, right? Woman straw weight. Okay, I'm on the rankings right now. Let's see. She's the number 31 ranked straw weight in the world. Women that are above her in the UFC are Alexandre Albu. Alexandra Albu, I mean. Uh, Danielle Taylor, she would crush Danielle Taylor. Vivian Perea, she would crush Vivian Perea. J.J. Aldrich, she would crush J.J. Aldrich. So she needs a big step up. How about this? Nina and Seraph, does she have a fight booked? She's Randa Marcos. Poliana Botello versus the winner or loser of Randa Marcos versus... Nina and Seraph. And if that's not it, then Marina Morose is the number 16 strawweight in the world. I don't know, man. I think Botella would crush her. Yeah, uh, well, back to the last fight, given surnames talking about Brendan Moreno, hella sloppy. He's loose, though. He's loose. He, can't, he seems flowy. He's having fun out there. But his technique is just, it's, it's, and I'm not saying that I am any, I don't fight. I don't train. I just watch fights. But you can tell, man, he needs some refinements. These long looping, like, start the combination with just a jab, maybe. It's just a straight one. Like, I don't, like, you, I wasn't even trying to pay attention. I was just drinking a beer, watching the fights like a, like a dude would, like any normal dude would, a casual fan. And you can, he fucking his, that lead hook come way the fuck out here. And he just kept doing it way the fuck out here. And Pantoja just come straight ding, and would bank him. Did I take any notes about it? No, that's all I said. Yeah. Yep. Anywho, let's move on. Brews and brawls, man. It's two of my favorite things in the world. Uh, yeah, but Botello, just she needs, in short, get her a top like 16 opponent. She, I think she would beat Marina Moroz. Uh, she would beat a lot of the women that are ranked above her on tapology. Before that, I missed this fight. Gabriel Benitez versus Humberto Bandanai. I missed it. Uh, my computer did a restart. It took like a half an hour, and I was worried about that. So I was dealing with that. This is bullshit. Um, before that, Enrique Barzola versus Brandon Davis. Forgettable. Before that, Frankie Signs versus Henry Briones. Um, let me see if I took any notes about this. Doesn't It always feels like the fights happened a long fucking time ago. In the first round, Signs had a lot of takedown. 
had a lot of success with, oh yeah. Science was doing the same combination over and over. And I, I don't know, Briones wasn't able to defend it. And Science would even, so Science was coming with a ripping left hook to the body, to the liver, and then coming upstairs with the right hook, kind of like John Lineker does. You know, he, Lineker, he'll always, he might do two hooks to the body, but it's going to be hook, like a hook to the right, hook to the left. One's going low, one's going high. But Signs was doing it the other way. Left hook to the liver, right hook to the face, and Briones just wasn't defending it. And Signs would even just, it would come naked without throwing one first. He'd come with that right hook up top, and it would get Briones like every single time. In early on in the second round, an uppercut from Signs briefly dropped Briones, but a lot of it was uh, Signs wrestling. He's a good, good wrestler, and he that's how he got that decision victory. Before that, in the first fight of the night, wow, what a first fight of the night this was. They showed it twice. If you missed it on UFC Fight Pass, you saw it a little bit later. Claudio Puelas versus Felipe Silva. Silva tuned Puelas up on the feet the majority of the fight. Between the Oh, yeah, this is also another one of the WTFs of the card that we could give. Is between the second and third round, Puelas' corner told him to give up on the takedown. Don't try to have a grappling fight. Just stand with Silva. I don't know why they would tell him that because uh, Puelas was just getting fucking worked on the feet. Silva was the more dynamic fighter. He was he was getting off the shoot quicker if they were to throw it at the like started throwing at the same time. Silva was getting there first. He was hitting with the more power, and he was doubling over Puelas against the fence and just kind of teeing off on him. I don't know why Puelas' corner told him not to do that, but in the third round. Silva dropped Puelas, got him to, like, he, he hurt him really bad. The commentators were talking about how the fight would be stopped soon. But Puelas dove on a knee bar, and he fucking got it. Hail Mary knee bar toward the end of the fight, and he got it. It was a really, really exciting comeback, which reminds me, uh, to we need to talk about the results from the UFC Pick'em League and also how blanket betting the underdogs went tonight before we get into our post-fight bonuses. So think about your post-fight bonuses, guys. Tell them to me in the comment section. We'll get to them in a second. But let me – we got to check out how blanket betting the underdogs went tonight. And it was it was awful. It did not do well for us tonight. It was almost – well, that's not that awful. I don't know how it's not worse than it – Puelas really saved us on this blanket betting the underdogs. So – the blanket bet ended up in minus 4.15 units. There were only three winners and 10 losers in the blanket bet. The UFC Pick'em League finished in top five. HL MMA got first place, 29.55, 11 out of 13, right? 007 also tied for first place, 11 out of 13, for a total of 2,955 points. Moogly got third, uh, 10 for 13, 29.30 total points. Fourth place was Vikram, 10 for 13, 2880 total points. Fifth place was Bai Hugh, 11 of 13, uh, but only 2810. Crazy. I got ninth place, 10 for 13. I got 2705 points. Uh, and that's it. So let's get into our post fight bonuses. Clearly, we're not giving one to the main event. I think post-fight bonuses are going to go to, you know what, I'm not going to give a fight of the night. 
I don't think there was one. Post five bonuses go to Tatiana Suarez, Dominic Reyes, Vicente Luque, Gabriel Benitez, and Claudio Puelas. Because I give five, because I'm not really giving anybody any of my money at all. So I'll give five of them. If I had to narrow it down to four, I would go Tatiana Suarez, Dominic Reyes, Vicente Luque. Nope. Nope. I would go. Yeah. I just Claudio, Claudio Puelas has to get one for that comeback. And Benitez needs one for that quick finish. Vicente Luque, Dominic Reyes. Man, I don't know. Let's check the Twitter machine and see who got the real ones. Actually, I should. I'll pull up the pre-fight guesses for post-fight bonuses. I guessed uh, fight of the night would be Cannonier versus Dominic Reyes. Not true. I, I gave a performance bonus to Andrea KGB Lee and Cameroodian Usman. None of mine are right. Um, Alex Del Cid Zalata gave fight of the night to the main event. Not true. Uh, Josh Sanchez gave fight of the night to Marino versus Pantoja. I don't think that's right. Uh, but he gave performance bonuses to Usman and Reyes. He at least got Reyes. And Rodrigo Rojas gave one to Luque. So I think he might be right. Let's check the real ones. Fight of the night went to uh, Valentina Macedo versus Andrea KGB Lee. Uh, no. And uh, performance bonuses went to... Mugli Benitez, Gabriel Benitez, and Claudio Puelas. So, well, at least Puelas got one. I think he was the most deserving. So, good on that. That does it for this entire show, my friends. If you haven't already, thumb that video up, please. It would mean a lot to me. Subscribe to the channel. And I'll see you guys for the pre-fight show or maybe just the post-fight show for UFC Fight Night 130 or hashtag UFC Liverpool, probably, where in the main event... Uh, Steven Thompson fights Darren Till, and there's not a lot else to talk about. Jason Knight versus Makwan Americani is cool. Davey Grant versus Manny Bermudez. I don't know that either. Elias Theodoro fights Trevor Smith. That's weird. Anyway, yeah, I'll see you guys next week in the morning. Keep in mind it is in the morning. The fight card starts at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, I believe. Let me double check. Don't let me... Don't let me out of here. I'm not going to let you out of here until we know. Okay, the fight card starts at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, which is 8.30 my time, which means if I do a pre-fight show, it'll happen at 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 a.m. my time. The fight card, a lot of these ones, they used to start, or the early ones used to be on FS1, but this fight card, there's two fight pass fights and the rest is on Fox Sports 1. So I will see you guys next week. Thank you again for being here. Be safe. Peace. Namaste. Oh, i got to find the window to say stop.